Welcome to FinTalks, a chat with Finance Malta members edition. With me today, I have Julian Goffin, CEO of Finductive Limited, who are members of Finance Malta. And with Julian, I will be discussing the evolution of the world of payment. First of all, thank you, Mr. Goffin, for joining us thank for you. this, post, for, for this podcast. Um, you are the CEO of this company, as I said, based in Malta. What does uh, Finductive Limited do and how long have you been based in Malta? So Finductive um, is a payment institution here in Malta. Um, essentially, Finductive was set up to work with the, let's say, the higher risk industries in Malta um, and within Europe because we saw a niche for that, um, especially when it comes to the, the, the brick and mortar banking and, and how they were de-risking, etc. We actually, we, we, we've all been living in Malta for the last 12 plus years. Um, so the, the management team knows Malta very well. Um, and instead of us bringing this and, and taking it outside of Malta, we wanted to really pick on what's in Malta and grab the, the people and the, the culture of Malta and bring that into what the company is. How would you say it's going so far? Oh, extremely well. I mean, we we started, fin, Finductive started in 2019. Um, January 2019, we had four staff members and we were based in um, a duplex penthouse in Zebouche. Um, we we had our, or gained our, our license from the MFSA in March um, and, or our pre-commencement license in March and then by September. September we had our, or July we had our full license, but now we've grown to 25 staff and a 300 square meter office um, in the central business district. So for us, it's been a really good journey, um, and all of our staff have been have been brought on locally. And Malta has such a cultural side with it that that people you'll get people from Germany, you'll get people from Cyprus, you'll get people from the Nordics. So you're, you're, you're not just gaining the Maltese talent that's here, but you're also gaining this talent that's coming to Malta because they understand that the finance industry and the gaming industry is growing and growing within, within Malta itself. So they're seeing the attraction of the island oh, itself? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I've, seen the, I've seen the attraction. I've been coming here since 1979. So I've certainly seen the, seen the attraction you're of Malta. You're Maltese, definitely. Uh, yes. <laughs> From your experience, how have you seen the world of uh, payment changed over the years? So payments, people were, were used to dealing with banks. Um, they were used to, to going to the bank to do their payment. The payment would take five days, seven days, and that, that, that was okay 20 years ago. Um, when you look at what happened with COVID over the last two years, you can see that, that even though payments had started to go, um, let, let's say electronic and started to go, that, that people wanted things done a little bit quicker, COVID pushed it right into that realm. And, you know, we, we as, as an industry had to embrace it. We had to go out there, look at the technology, see how it could work, and then essentially be able to do those payments quicker and faster that the people wanted. That, that essentially the general public don't want to stand in a queue at the bank. They're happy to be sitting in the cafe outside the bank, having a cappuccino and doing their payments on their mobile phone. You know, 
time of, of standing in queues and, and everybody knows what the queues were like outside the banks here. Um, you know, on certain days, there'd be 20 people standing outside the bank and being let in one at a time. Exactly, exactly. Um, but the, the, this, is, this is where it's all had to change. And, and the EMIs, the finance industry, the payment institutions here in Malta have certainly grasped that. They've certainly gone down that route of, of trying to do it. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a big change, but it's, it's being done well, I think. You mentioned the COVID pandemic and obviously mm-hmm. adding to that is obviously the Ukraine war that is happening at yes. the moment. Is this affecting your uh, um, line of business? And uh, if yes, in what way? So the COVID, the COVID pandemic um, affected us in the fact that we, everybody had to understand remote working very, very quickly. Um, you know, with, with one minute, you've got somebody that's in the office that now has COVID and they're an integral part of the business. You need to be able to move that business and, and move it out. Um, so, so that really did change the way that the, the businesses worked. The Ukrainian war, um, let's call it a war, because um, that's pretty much what it is, um, with what's happening over there, what we're seeing is the security side now. So for us, one of the, the first things that our industry need, needed to look at was cybercrime. Um, cybercrime's always been there. We've always had that issue. But now, when you're looking at sanctions that have been put into place on pretty much on a whole country, um, which unfortunately isn't just affecting the government there and affecting the, the banks there that are, are dealing with the government, it's affecting the day-to-day people. We have certain clients that they deal with Russia on a, on a constant basis. And I have people crying down the phone to me saying, well, why can't we do the payment? You know, these sanctions are put into place for certain reasons. And I, it's, it's unfortunate that the normal people are being, you know, targeted by this as well. Um, but what we look at then is with, with ignoring the, the bullets and, and the bombs, what is key for Russia and key for its allies, like, may I say, China and things like this, these are known countries for cyber. Um, you get these attacks and they'll, they'll hit any of our, you know, any, any of our industry to just try and get in, to try and see how they can work, to try and see how they can get payments somewhere else. Um, and this is really, really key to keep an eye out for. And this is something that we, we have really looked at, at the in, not just ourselves, but the industry itself. Um, and if not, other people in the industry really need to keep an eye on that. Like at the moment. you're watching it. Oh, absolutely. Every day. Our sanction list is updated four times a day four times a day it was updated normally once or twice a month and at the moment it's four times a day you earlier you mentioned like the queues at the bank and that was something which uh, obviously nowadays people are not interested in doing but apart from that what do you think um, are the shifts um, from the traditional methods of the banking when it comes to your to your industry i, I think i mentioned it as well i think another key thing is that people are busy so if people are busy they don't want to sorry they don't want to be working or 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 dealing with banking between nine and five Mm -hmm. they want to be dealing with banking when they want to deal with banking and there's been a shift there's been a massive shift we get probably 30 percent of our payments between 6 p.m and midnight because people are busy 
You know, they, it's, it's a lot easier to do your day's work and then, right, I need to do the payments and I'll sit down and I'll do the payments. Not just in top industries, you know, the, this is the standard greengrocers, the, you know, the, the hardware stores and things like that. They, they are busy dealing with people. They're, they're busy doing the business. So this digital banking um, has brought then and opened that up that, that they can do that where and when they want and on any type of media. So they can work with a laptop. They can work with a mobile phone. They can yeah. work with a tablet. They haven't got to be face-to-face. Um, is it a good thing? I'm unsure. I think you still need that, that, people, um, that people interaction. Um, but then again, I look at where I'm living and we've lost two banks in that village um so people are forced to go down the digital route or travel to the next town or something like that okay Malta's quite small but yeah. you know <laughs> Malta's travel just going 10 miles is 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 like going from London to Scotland yeah so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um for for the sake of those who are following this podcast how and why is it important for businesses to have an online uh, payment partner Again, it's it really is the fact that they can access and they can get content when they need it. They could go online. They can they can do a payment. They've forgotten a, a payment, and, and on a Saturday they can go on. They can do it. It's done. It's out the way. The standard brick and mortar banks have their online platforms, um, but they are they're, they're something that's put into place. We we've seen a bank lately that did a, a a very big software update a very big software update that included its cards and everything else as well and even now there's errors so you end up having to phone them you have and then you're, you're online for another 30 minutes waiting etc with the digital banking a lot of it is is based around instantaneously so instantaneously sort of talking to people getting hold of somebody we we have um, a, a, a way that people can actually literally just chat online and just click talk and get instant messaging straight away. A lot of the time when we look at the, the brick and mortar banks, you don't see it. You see that the chat's there, but then you go into the chat and it's like, well, sorry, I'm, this is this department. That department's open from eight till five. It's not, yeah. they're trying to do it, but they're not getting there. And the digital way now with that, that the fintechs embrace is really about that connection. Apart from the efficiency, um, time con- with no time, con- it's mo- like it's more efficient. You don't have to do a lot of. T- it's not time consuming like the banks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Why? Where do you see all this in the light of Malta's future? Where should Malta look at? Malta should banks close. <laughs> look, you. I'd never say for a bank to close. Never say for a bank to close. You are always going to have people that need that face-to-face. And I have an account. I have a digital account. I have an account with two of the big banks here. And I love the fact that I go and sit down and I can talk to somebody at the bank face-to-face. You won't take that away. Um, Malta still needs to invest not just in the finance se- sector it, it's there we we've invested in finance we've invested in gaming we've invested partially into crypto but what's what's missing is where is the investment into the technology 
that will feed these um, industries, not just the finance industry, but the crypto industry and the banking and the, the gaming industry. So where is the technological hub in Malta that needs to be able to feed that? And, and it's not really there. Um, and I think that, that, that investment, together with these industries, to create this ecosystem would be fantastic. And I think that's this Malta is only going to grow, only going to grow. Um, I've been coming here, as I, as, as I said, since 1979. So, uh, well, that makes me 21 or something. Um, so I've been coming here for a very short time. Mm-hmm. But I've seen the growth within Malta and I've seen how it's been. We've, we've had the, the issues now when it comes to the grey listing um, of Malta, which we are really, really working hard to get mm-hmm. out of that. Um, and I've said it, I said it from day one when it came to the grey listing. It probably needed it. Um, it probably needed that kick, that shock. to that 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 short, sharp shock sort of thing, to then get it back on track. Um, it went from one way of very, very lax to after one week of being on the great listing, very, very extreme. But now we're starting to try and get that balance out right. Um, and as we've seen in in the in the the media the last few weeks, you know, Malta is. On the right working track. really hard and it's being noticed that Malta's working really hard mm-hmm. so what's going to happen we're going to come back stronger much much stronger because we can say yes we got hit then but look how quick we came out of it look what we've done to make it better um, and then the growth will be here you've seen it's certain parts of the industry moving away um, we as a, as a company there was no way we were going to Malta we invested more um, you know, we invested in people, we invested in property here, we invested in technology here, because this is where it's going to grow from. Malta will be the hub so of like the Mediterranean. Companies like yours, FDIs, they, you, will see, you will remain here, let's say, in the next 10 years. Absolutely. I, we, we signed, we signed an, a, a five-year lease with a three-year extension, only because they wouldn't give me another five-year extension. So I, we're fully, fully committed to being in Malta, growing in Malta, um, and growing with what we do with our staff, with our with our industry um, as well. You know, the, uh, the good thing is you've got companies like Finance Malta that are actually there supporting. Um, you know, they're there pushing. There's 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 other organisations which are, are pushing as well, and and that is going to create that technological ecosystem for us within this industry to help us grow. Um, Malta, for me, Malta's the place to be, without a doubt. Julian Goffin, thank you so much for this interesting uh, conversation. I I encourage you all to uh, watch this podcast on the YouTube channel of uh, the fine, of Finance Malta, as well as all the social media platforms. Thank you so much. Thank you once again. Thank you.